Hello and welcome to Novel Not New, a True N podcast. It's a narrative gaming book club podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Uncle. Uh, joining me as always, Six Detmar. Hello, hello. And Olivia Joseph. Now, before we begin, do either of you two know what day it is? It's Sunday, November 7th, 2021. Exactly. Happy Mass Effect Day! <laughs> and seven. Oh. <laughs> Six just left the call, which is the appropriate response to that. <laughs> Welcome back, Six. Thank you. Not a visual novel or a narrative. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess it's a narrative game. <laughs> but, like, all games have a narrative. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is What is true. this podcast? Shut it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move on from that cursed idea, and uh, let's talk about what we've been playing in the meantime. Like, uh, I know that uh, you've been playing more Umineko, Olivia? Yeah, um, I finished chapter four of Umineko, um, but I didn't prepare anything to say about it because I couldn't remember if I talked about it on the previous episode, so I didn't want to double up. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think we did a check-in for Umineko last episode for sure. Um, I will say that I had misremembered. There, sometimes this happens with, with very popular series is you get spoilered on things. And I had one of those cases for chapter four where I thought that I was spoilered on something, but it actually turned out very differently from how I remembered. So now I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Oh, that's always a fun feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's always pleasant. I'm like, oh, I, oh, I thought you were a totally different character than you are, huh? All right. <laughs> I really thought, there you go. I really thought there was going to be like more of a... More of a strong divide between the, the question games and the answer games. Um, like, I, I thought that maybe something big was going to happen at the end of Chapter 4, and it kind of did, but also kind of not. Yeah, I, I'd say that something big happens at the end of all of the chapters. Well, I... yeah, it was like a normal game end climax and not a like, all right, now it's time for the fucking answer art climax, you know? Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think it only got split up like that for um, the way that they released them on Steam, too. Like, I think when yeah, it was being it... released back when it was happening, they were just releasing it per chapter. So maybe yeah. it was just like a sales tactic since they sold Higurashi per episode on Steam instead of this structure. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense as kind of like a marketing pitch when you have to, when you don't want to sell eight games. You gotta be like, okay, these we're gonna make these four. They'll be the question arcs, and then the last four will be the answer arcs. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see what chapter five brings. Though I still haven't gotten to that point just yet. I'm gonna guess questions. <laughs> I'm gonna guess answers, and we'll just have to see who's right. Damn it! <laughs> sounds like it sounds like I missed this one. I also, w I also stopped playing Tales of Arise, um, which was another game I was playing. Tales of a Fall sounds like yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just like, man, I'm not playing this game for eighty hours. Hmm. 
it's sure it's just like not a, you know this is, i feel like this is the eternal the eternal thing you say about video games is like it wasn't terrible but i didn't want to play it for that long like i got to the sure. point where i was done with it and the game was like ho ho you're halfway through i was like oh never mind then i i feel like that's my classic tales experience as i'm as i you know about halfway through i'm like all right i have played a complete game's worth of game i am stopping now <laughs> it was just kind of like you know tales games i think are famous for their like shifts where they go oh here's something that's changed the whole plot around and now the game is a whole new structure and i feel like for arise i was just waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> I'm like, look, I know when I kill the five guys, something's going to happen, but I, you can't seriously expect me to take 60 hours to kill the five guys. Yeah, I ran into something similar, like, with Dragon Quest Eleven. Like, I got to the quote-unquote end boss, which I knew wasn't the end boss, and at that point, it was just such a hassle to fight, and I knew that I had, like, another 20 hours after that that was like, okay, I'm thinking I'm just going to put it down here. <laughs> RPG, all RPGs, I think, should uh, spend the incredible amount of resources it would require to let me edit the game. To just be like, <laughs> okay, this section, now just give me the cliff notes of this. Um, this section, we're going to skip it entirely and just move me right here. I don't know why my brain jumped to this, but you started with all RPGs and paused a beat. And my brain was like, all RPGs are based on deception and you have been deceived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the few JRPGs I finished um, from beginning to end was Persona 5, and I just looked at the 90-hour playtime, and I was like, well, I never want to do anything like this again. Yeah, and yet I, I still keep picking up JRPGs. I got a new job, and I'm like, when you get a new job, you're like intimately aware of how much of your life is spent on the job and how much of your life is spent... Bat, like where you actually have a choice of what you want to do and sometimes you're just uh -huh. playing like a three out of five video game and you're like you know what no no thanks exactly mm. whereas on my end it's like oh i could be playing like i yeah i could play another like current game for coverage on my on my video game site or I could see how much a copy of Naruto Ultimate Ninja 3 is for PS2 on eBay. <laughs> um, <laughs> jobs give me brainworms in a different way. Hmm. Although, you know, take what I said, I'm now replaying Dark Souls 2. So, like, fucking whatever. Don't listen to me. I don't even follow the, hmm. my own things that I say. How about you, Six? You know what? Old games are good. Um, how about me? So... Mostly this is not a story game, and in fact, I want to talk about very little of it, but what I want to talk about is story. So I want to talk about Super Robot Wars 30, because you have a lot of crossover games in the world, right? Um, and usually the way it goes is either there's no story, or the story is like, oh man, we're all in this new setting, and we just have to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Super Robot Wars doesn't do that. Super Robot Wars is we're going to lay all the settings over top of each other. Yeah. And it's incredible. The opening cutscene 
of Super Robot Wars 30 is what I want to talk about. The opening until you do your first mission where you are on a, a colony, a Gundam colony, and they're like, oh no, Zanscare is attacking. This is so frustrating because we were just attacked earlier by the Jovian Empire and we really things were, thought things were going to get better after we overthrew Emperor Lelouch. And you're like, oh, how much is happening at once right now? <laughs> I like, I did see, like what I know, I do know Super Robot Wars works like that. And I remember like briefly looking at one LP where the thing was like, they were gathering a bunch of Super Robot protagonists to help Camille fight the Titans. And I was like, this kind of rules. It's great. Uh, I was. I have also played some Super Robot Wars T, which uh, has Cowboy Bebop in it. And they have, like, you know, character-specific lines and stuff. So when Spike in his Swordfish 2 is ordered to attack a Zaku, he's like, man, mobile suits are such chumps. And then he shoots it. You're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, shut the fuck up, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Spike Spiegel talking to uh, like space pirate captain Captain Harlock, and Captain Harlock's like, "You could bring me in for the biggest bounty of your life, or you could know the truth." <laughs> and Spike's like, "Damn, you got me. What's the truth?" And Captain Harlock's like, "I don't know. We should figure that out." <laughs> <laughs> I saw. I I also the other Super Robot Wars thing I remember is like. It puts um, Marita Cruz from Gundam Unicorn and Setsuna from Gundam Double uh, O, and those are two characters mm-hmm. who like repeatedly refer to themselves as being like synonymous with their with their mobile suits, and so it's just like a scene of them vibing based on like under mutually understanding that with each other, and everyone else just being like, "You two are freaks. The two of you are just freaks." And they're like, "Yeah, we're mobile suits." Setson is like I'm a Gundam. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I I'm just having a great time so far. Um, I got Uso showed up. Uso's on the ship. Damn right he is. That's my son. <laughs> Did you get the? And, oh, go ahead. I also have a great situation where um, I don't want to you know spoil any future Gundam stuff or anything, but um, my my like my character is an OC piloting an OC mech on the OC battleship, right? Mm-hmm. That's how these games work. Mm-hmm. And my character like sortied without permission in this mobile suit, and they were gonna throw me in the brig because I'm a civilian who stole a military mobile suit, even though I helped them. Right? Classic thing. And I'm fighting alongside a Gundam pilot who did the same thing. <laughs> But they did it for a different faction, so they're like, I guess we can't throw them in jail. It's not our mobile suit. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, half it's, the Gundam boys have done that exact, exact thing. It's uh, it's fantastic. I, uh, I think the writing in Super Robot Wars is really stellar. Just, I mean, the premise of just, like, okay, all these worlds are happening at the same time mm-hmm. is just a great place to start. It's I love it, so. I think I also I- saw one... Where Char is talking to Camille, like, um, like it's Char's counterattack, Char, and he's like, Camille, mm-hmm. are you angry with me? And Camille goes, No, sir, I'm just disappointed. Which is the funniest <laughs> possible thing you can say in that situation. <sighs> I started losing it when I looked 
when I looked closer at the logo for Super Robot Wars 30 and realized there was like a little goofy smiley face in the zero. Be happy. <laughs> this, is, this is the 30th anniversary of Super Robot Wars. Yeah, it's, there's like 50 games, aren't there? Like, it's not 30 no, because 30. it's the 30th one. It's Super Robot Wars 30. I don't know what's so complicated about this. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. But uh... <laughs> Also, did you get like the... <laughs> would they lie to me? Would, would Bandai Namco lie, lie to me? They lie, they just called it 30 because it's 30 years. Uh, listen, Final Fantasy X isn't the 10th Final Fantasy. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what? Let's move on. <laughs> Did you get the super expensive version that throws in all the various openings? Cause... No, because I bought it with site money. I should I should probably augment it with my own money and get the get the good shit. Yeah, that, that's the one thing I know about that. Like, oh, they finally found a solution to bring it over here, and it turns out it's cutting out most of the licensed music and being like, if you want to hear the licensed music, pay a hundred bucks. Yeah. But also, fucking, it does still play, like, I did still have fucking Uso show up, and he said, I'm Uso, and stand up to the victory played. It was an instrumental version, but it still played. And I was like, fuck yeah, you're Uso. <laughs> Uso's great. Uh, I gotta go find my one screenshot from my last victory watch. <laughs> I just screenshot him going, he's Uso. <laughs> he's Uso. I'm Uso. I'm Uso. <laughs> also, all the ones where they're like, Uso's a normal boy. He's a normal boy who likes farming and his friend shock tea. That's something that someone says about Uso. <laughs> Where's the lie? A lot of that show dedicated to ruminating on the question of whether Uso is normal or not. That's a relatable uh, question. He's not, but it's okay. He's better than normal. Yeah, I've been playing... Um, Scarlet Hollow, which is uh, still an early access, and there's only two chapters out out of a out of a planned uh, seven chapters or so. But it's it's really compelling. Like it's done by a it's a horror visual novel, or at least horror themed, done by a famous webcomic author whose name eludes me at the moment. But uh, the whole gist of it is you're basically traveling to this small mining town where this uh, aunt who you never met ended up dying around a year or two after your own mother died. And basically, you're there for the funeral. You're there with like your stepsister who just thinks that you're obnoxious and is putting you up in this most... The most cursed mansion you've ever seen because it is literally sitting on the edge of a cliff and looks like it is just moments away from sliding down under and basically you're there you're meeting some of the residents and spooky shit starts going down like suddenly paranormal things start happening terra normal <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah the, the interesting thing about this one is that it has like character build situations a little like, when you're going in, you're selecting a few characteristics that you... Like, abilities you can have. 
And some of them are pretty normal, like, oh, s street smart, so you know how to talk yourself out of situations, or you're scholarly, so you know where to look for pertinent information, but... In addition to those two, I chose one called Talk to Animals. <laughs> and, like, once you get into the mansion, you see a cat, and you say, hey, cat, and the cat just starts speaking French at you, and you you tell the cat, I'm sorry, I don't understand French, and the cat switches over to English to being like, oh, you Americans, you're so uncultured. This is exactly what I would have expected. <laughs> I'd be so fucking pissed if I got the ability to speak with animals and a cat just started speaking French at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way that they handle that specific gift. Like, they they talk about it as, oh yeah, it's something that you can do and it's neat at times, but it's also super obnoxious because you just end up hearing a lot of things that are really out there or surprise you. Like, you meet a pug who has a debutante accent or there's a there's a rodent in your dresser drawers that just talks about wanting bread and broken sentences and things like that sure but yeah in addition to the, all that you're like uh you immediately meet someone whose whole thing is like they're much like a character in the game we're about to talk about a youtube vlogger who handles uh, paranormal stuff um she hits it off with you pretty well and basically you and some of the other towns members are basically investigating what is happening around this town and uh yeah it's really well done it does a good job of showing like a small town whose one industry mining has been kind of waning as time went on and uh just basically spending a lot of time with kids ditching school or hanging out in the library because something in their house broke and they've been staying here instead. Things like that. Mm. It's one of those things where if you if you want to play it all in one go, I would probably wait a little bit for them to have more chapters. Like I think they I think the current end date for their production is like 2023 just because it takes a few months for them to put together each chapter but uh yeah i like it a whole lot and i'm glad i checked it out it seems a little too spooky for me it's i'd say it leans into humor just as much as it does uh spookiness but it's definitely that situation where it's a first person presented visual novel so it does do things where things just start approaching you and they can look pretty creepy. Personally, I hate yeah, it when God. things approach me. <laughs> Same. I uh, I remember <clears throat> I'm I'm a little better these days, but uh a number of years back when I was working at a Walmart, um I don't I don't like physical contact very much. Um and my coworkers knew that, but one of them forgot, and I did something, and they, like, came up from behind and, like, patted me on the shoulder, and I just, like, I writhed like a cat and went, no touching, no touching, no touching, no touching. Uh, so don't approach me, please. Mm -hmm. Is where we're getting. Also, please, no touching. Yeah. No pictures. Please, no pictures. <laughs> These are just all good rules to follow, honestly. 
<laughs> I think we should. <laughs> really default. Are. I think we. I'm quite serious. I think we should approach. To, I think we should default to don't approach, touch, or take pictures of people unless you have explicit permission. Otherwise, I agree. Yeah, I think that's something we can all agree on. No, I don't think it. I think all of us can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. There's the. I, speaking of my new job, people love to fucking approach me at that job. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we're here to talk about uh, Heart of the Woods, a visual novel that released initially in 2019, but kind of got updated over the years with the uh, voice acting and quality of life features. It was uh, released by Studio Elon, and uh, I'm probably mispronouncing it. It's probably something like Elan. But, uh, I was going to say Elon, but... Yeah, Elon works. Elon too. This is just my rough approximation of the... Because the, they have an accent on the E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's supposed to be French. Anyway, that's not what's important right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a paranormal um, romance fairy tale. Somewhat of a horror story, too, but not quite. It's uh, It basically focuses on two women, uh, Maddie and Tara, who are on their way to a small town named Eisenfeld, which is separated from the rest of the world. One of those classic sort of towns in the heart of the woods sort of situations i just said the Boo. name all right i'm I, i'm taking over summary now okay <laughs> if that's how you're gonna be about this so- I, I i it was unintentional until my mouse formed the words and it was like oh shit <laughs> uh, okay you can you can keep going actually I didn't actually okay. need to take it from you. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's... They're there to shoot their uh, Terra Normal... Terra no- Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> their Terra Normal um, video series, which is a blog about paranormal sightings and entities. Terra Normal. <laughs> Alright, we're putting six in jail for real, actually. <laughs> uh, podcast oh, jail. Oh man, it's just, just like fucking that stream all over again where we played the pirate game. Oh, yeah, that was a nightmare. They put me in the brig. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically, they're heading over to this small town, and Maddie has told Tara ahead of the trip that, hey, this is going to be my last time doing this show. So they're heading to this small town, and and their relationship is already very terse. Like, this is a sensation that no one really wants to be here, and they're going to be here for a month away from everything. And... Morgan, one of the locals, uh, the one that invited them, meets them in, brings them to a cabin, and essentially, over the course of a few days, they start getting the lay of the area, fighting amongst themselves until shit hits the fan and they run into something actually paranormal. And it kind of just keeps developing. Paranormal? (laughs) I'm in jail, I can't do it, so... (laughs) I was just being an asshole. <laughs> oh, unlike what I do. Um, yeah. 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 That's the basic premise of it. And eventually they meet a gay ghost. And 
<laughs> they meet a gay ghost and a gay German kid who's Morgan. I guess they already met her in the synopsis. Yeah. Well, you know, they didn't know she was gay, so it's kind of like meeting her again. Sure. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm no, no. Yeah. How do we feel about this one? <sighs> okay. I'm also gonna say okay. I think this is a perfectly fine three out of five visual novel. I feel like I certainly I I would have had some pointers. I would have had some, I have some notes for it for sure, but I feel like it is mostly more fine than it isn't fine. And unlike many other games that I have played, it's a little shorter than I expected it would be. So at least it doesn't overstay its welcome, and it's got some, like, themes and moments that I like. I'm always a sucker for, like, you know, the the big big girls found family kind of shit. Um, so <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hate it, although I think I have a lot to kind of, like, talk about and probably pick apart. I think I'm going to come off like I hate it on this episode, <laughs> even though I don't. Yeah, I mostly enjoyed myself, too. Like, I was initially drawn in once the game started by just watching Tara and Maddie kind of awkwardly figure out, okay, we're both planning to get out, get out of this working relationship after the, we're done here for a month. And until that time, we have to find a way to make things not awkward, except it's going to be awkward all the time because we're just constantly butting heads and thinking about how the other doesn't want to be around how Maddie is basically like, yeah, I don't want to be doing this with you anymore. Not only is it an awkward situation, but both of these women are like the least emotionally competent people. Yeah. Multiple times, multiple times, both Tara and Madison handled this situation in like the worst possible way. I remember finding out that they live together and I was like, Oh my God, you live together. Holy shit! Holy shit! How did you fuck it up this bad? Yeah, you're just watching Maddie and Tara go around the town, and Maddie's constantly like, "Oh, I guess we can talk to these people," or it's clear that our host is like, our, "It's clear that our host is in La La Land and doesn't understand anything," and just constantly talking about how the, the shit sucks and when they have to leave immediately. And then once they find their first sign of something out of the ordinary, Tara just cuts Maddie out, like, without even saying anything until she's confronted. Mm-hmm. Just being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get our host, and constantly leave with her or move her to a different room, and just... Look away from you and not talk to you when you talk to me, like a fucking child... Yeah, and meanwhile, Morgan's just there in the middle being like, this shit is really embarrassing. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do about this, but it's clear I'm going to have to do something about this at some point. And then there's a gay ghost. <laughs> and then there's a gay ghost. <laughs> isn't that, isn't, you just call it a ghost? No. It's like a geist, but it's... No. It's... Actually, she's not a ghost, technically. Why not? Because she is us, because she is not dead. She is yes, yeah, she, no, she is between life and death. Yeah, 
That's what a ghost is. No, a ghost is a dead person who has a presence in the living world. You're trapped between realms. She's a ghost. No, she's not a ghost. There are she's a There ghost. are different definitions of what constitutes a ghost, and this visual novel gives its own definition of what Abigail is, and then eventually what Madison is. And says it's not a ghost, and I believe I believe no, that's not that's literally not true. She literally says she is a ghost. She just says mm. she's trapped between life. She said she's not exactly dead. Oh, I thought she said I'm not a ghost. No, there's the part where like she's like you're a ghost, and she does the little Bob nod. There's also <laughs> this isn't really in the text, but the end credit song is called "In Love with a Ghost." <laughs> She's a ghost. All right, I guess she's a ghost. I don't know why I str- I don't know why I defended this position. Doesn't matter to me whether <laughs> she's a ghost or not. I guess. Yeah, she's she's basically a spirit living in the forest, uh-huh. and she's a, she's a ghost. <laughs> now that I've won one fight, we're gonna go for the other, baby. <laughs> but yeah, Maddie just <laughs> runs off into the forest at one point because she's just really upset with Tara, and she discovers. Abigail, like, flitting in and out around this lake area. So, eventually she just keeps coming back. She's able to, like, ask Abigail questions, but not necessarily receive vocalized answers. And the two of them just kind of start getting close until Maddie gets tricked into dying, more or less, Mm -hmm. by uh, an apparition of Tara without a face because what's going on is that Morgan's mother is a Rochamaru from Naruto and Morgan is Sasuke. <laughs> She's my, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't I can't really argue with it. Her mom is yeah. her mom, well, her mom is not her mom. It's like an ancient she turns out to be a fairy, but she is a magical being who is kind of like stealing the souls of all of the women in this family line and and you know when morgan was born she stole morgan's mom's soul and her body and now she is planning to eventually move into morgan and morgan is it's eventually revealed has called um has done like a very childish thing of like i'm going to call my favorite paranormal youtuber out to (laughs) this town and maybe she can help me it's it's honestly like mm-hmm. kind of a deeply silly move that I think fo- the whole rationale for it falls apart if you think about it. Yeah, but you know, there's some weird stuff with uh, I I had a tough time for a while figuring out how old Morgan was supposed to be. Um, because she does weird she does things like that which come off as like very childish and I think also the the fan dynamic just tends to like position her as younger mm-hmm. uh yeah whoever was doing character designs on this visual novel also loves height difference in couples <laughs> morgan is like a head shorter than tara who she ends up dating and so for a while i'm like is this a teenager are you flirting with a teenager and then eventually it's like oh they're the same age i'm like okay could have fooled me <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Abigail and Maddie aren't that far apart in height. Um, no, they're not as drastic as Tara and Morgan, but there's a noticeable height difference. I mean, Abigail's taller, sure, but 
Abigail also does the power move of occasionally floating above Maddie while Maddie is still in human form. <laughs> Just like floating a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, if you're a ghost, you gotta uh, flaunt it if you've got, got it. <laughs> a spectral <sighs> T pose to assert dominance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's like, that's where that came from is ghosts. <laughs> Wait, it's really? Classic maneuver. I mean, I don't know how to answer that question, but like that's a that pose is a ghost thing, sure. I thought it was a video game thing, like just models bugging we out. We don't have time for this. Okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, um, it turns out that her mother has various. Her mother, who's not her mother, has various abilities, like can basically mind control people and. Uh, levitate them and when the when the moon when the full moon is out she can swap bodies and it's a whole thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they're trying to find they're trying to like figure out how they can stop this ritual and you know kill morgan's fake mom before you know she does her ritual and takes morgan's body and that's like that's kind of like the the structure of the game although mm -hmm. like we said earlier Madison is like tricked by Evelyn, which is Morgan's uh, mom's name, into going into the forest in a blizzard and then, you know, dies and then becomes a ghost thanks to Abigail, who's the ghost she knows. And so it's kind of like the story eventually splits into two paths where it's like Abigail and Morgan hanging out in the woods and or sorry, it's Abigail and Madison hanging out in the woods and then Morgan and Tara in the village. Uh, and they're each kind of like trying to figure out with the you know these supernatural situations they're in and how they're going to survive mm -hmm. a lot of, i gotta say there's a lot of times in this game where the where like the girls just kind of like screw around or if they make mm -hmm. progress in figuring out what to do it's off screen and i think it leads to it leads to a sense of like that they're not really doing anything uh, because most of the times that they do things are happen kind of like as asides or in montages, and then what you actually get depicted in scenes is mostly like, you know, the girls kind of like interacting and developing feelings for each other. I feel like that was kind of an inelegant part of the game. We could have, like, we really could have, um, could have woven the whole catching feelings bit into this, in, into investigating things. Um, especially came off as very weird because, like, the two main characters in this visual novel are paranormal investigators, and they do almost no paranormal investigating on screen. Yeah, there's, like, a bit near the beginning where they're just going around trying to ask, uh, various locals, Hey, so, you got any juicy paranormal stories for us? And when that obviously doesn't go anywhere, they... Kind of just fuck around in the woods for a bit until Evelyn starts uh, messing with them. At which point things kick into high gear once Maddie goes missing and uh, Morgan lays out everything that's happening. I don't. I would. I would argue that it doesn't ever. That it doesn't kick into high gear after Madison dies because there is a lot of scenes post Madison becoming a ghost. Where you'll cut back to another character and it'll be like, it's been three days and we've done nothing. 
if you cut to Madison or Abigail, it'll be like, we've been walking in the woods. And if you cut to Tara or Morgan, it'll be like, we've been um, reading journals, I guess. And having sex. And having sex. (laughs) Which is funny because they have a lot more sex than Madison and Abigail. But in the adult patch, you never get sex scenes with them. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a funny detail. I, It's weird. Um, I get the feeling that somebody... Somebody was afraid of Girl Dick who worked on this game. And I'm not gonna... Hmm. I'm not gonna... I, we definitely don't have information to say if it was any specific person who worked on the game. But, like, there's definitely a decision that happened implicitly or explicitly of, you know... We're one of these characters. We're going to have one of these characters be trans. She's going to talk about being trans. She's going to have sex with another character in the game. And there will be sex scenes in this game. And you will only see the cis girls having sex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's something I was a little bit afraid of. (laughs) Like when I heard that it was. I had initially suggested this game without realizing it in the 18 plus patch. And like there's really. 18 plus patches are great and everything, but uh, it's one of those situations where it's like, are they going to do okay with the trans girl? And it sounds like not really. Well, it sounds like, I mean, they don't do with the trans girl. Yeah. It's like, like, like I guess they could have done it and done a bad job and they just were like, we're just not going to do it at all. And that's a different kind of problem. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, I don't know, there's nothing about, like, Tara as a character... There's nothing about her that's, like, overtly bad. In fact, I feel like they have accurately captured, like, a realistic feeling type of trans girl. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like, I wouldn't say it's, like, a bad depiction, but it just feels like they... This is not a universal thing. I wouldn't say, like, this is how you do a good trans character, but I feel like her transness is really understated in a way that feels lacking in the game. There's the fact that she doesn't have, you know, she's, like, conspicuously absent in all the sex scenes. There's also the bit that, like, there's a surprising amount of resonance, you know, like, between, you know, what, you know, you could imagine a lot of resonance between, like, her transness and Morgan's situation, and it just never comes up. Like, the fact that Morgan is a person who's, like, in this abusive situation where every aspect of her body is, like, being controlled and decided by, like, someone who is in a in a motherhood figure to her. And, like, whose gender is enforced in really specific ways. And it just kind of never... They never talk about that, really. It doesn't show up. Um, yeah. And I would have expected it to. <laughs> like, these are two women in a relationship. I would... Uh, and... Tara's, like, constantly trying to empathize and, like, comfort Morgan, and yet this is just kind of a very obvious parallel between them that goes totally undiscussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, at some point, Tara and um, Morgan are talking, and basically the the one line that Tara has about how she's trans is basically talking about how her and Maddie were very close friends. Like, they used to be high school or college goths together, and... Maddie was basically the only one that stuck by Tara when she came out as trans. And they don't really ever, as Olivia says, they never really get into just making parallels with how Morgan can't even, Morgan isn't even allowed to, like, 
decide her own hairstyle. That is something that uh, Evelyn forces on her. And that's also somewhat mirrored by the fact that in the good ending, there's a little beach thing and Morgan has purposefully gotten an entirely different hairstyle. She went butch, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's that autistic butch shit. <laughs> she just... But just, Morgan just comes off really autistic in this in this game. I'm, sure. I'm gonna say it. Um, yeah, it, it's just yeah, like I said, it's a weird absence. Like you have, you ha- like you have Tara and Morgan as this pair of characters who are, for different reasons, both like social outcasts who have experienced like gender policing and being abandoned by people who they previously considered friends and you know, losing a lot and, like, having a lot of trouble forming connections, and both of them have stated to have, like, kind of, like, to varying degrees, kind of, like, emotionally messed up sex lives, and that's just kind of, like, there, and they don't really talk about it, that sympathy between them. Um, Their kind of, like, relationship dynamic as it's constructed in the actual, like, explicit narrative is just totally different from that. It just felt like a weird thing to not bring into the relationship. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways, I don't know. To me, I get the get the vibe, and I could be totally off. This is conjecture, but it feels like this game was built with Maddie being the main character and sort of the Maddie Abigail route being the focus, and then there was a decision to do Tara uh, Morgan. Because, I mean, you know, they don't have the sex scenes. They don't, there's more content on the, on the Maddie side, just in general. And also, as noted, like, even with the chill moments on, on Maddie's side, Mm -hmm. so much more happens over there. They really do nothing as Tara and Morgan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is one scene of them trying to pick a lock, and that is it. That is it for their entire route. Yeah, there's... They pick the. They try to pick the lock, fail in picking the lock, and then there is multiple scenes where character where either Tara or Morgan will make some reference to like going through journals, but you don't even see mm-hmm. them go through the journals. They definitely feel. They definitely feel secondary to like Maddie and Abigail, which is weird because so much of the plot is on the Tara and Morgan side. Right, like. Morgan is the one who is in the most direct danger. She's the one who, like, kicks off the plot by calling um, uh, Tara and Madison to the town. And yet she is, like, kind of takes a backseat in the story. I agree. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. And some of the stuff we get with Maddie and Madison, Maddie or Madison also feels like there should be a little bit more there. Like, you hear that Maddie is leaving Terra Normal to basically go back to college and get something else done, but they don't really go into details about what is really driving her or interesting to her that she's going to pursue. They talk about how much she loves movies, but they never mention a genre or a director or anything else. They, I mean, they mentioned 2001. Oh yeah, I guess they do mention 2001 at some point, and... There is a mention of um, Maddie watching a movie in French without realizing it for five minutes just because she's so spaced out. But uh, it does feel like a very 
for the most part, aside from the 2001 uh, mention, it feels like that one Gabriel Gundractor series of vines where it's like, yeah, I'm a fan of music. Yeah, this part where the music hits, that's my favorite part. Oh, it's already over? Okay. Yeah, the... Like, Madison's decision to to leave Tara Normal ends up feeling like a... Once she kind of... Ex- it, it, it comes off like, oh, we're not getting the full picture, something else has happened here. And then you do get the full picture, and it kind of just comes off like an impulse decision on Madison's part that, like, p- probably could have been resolved with, like, having a conversation with Tara where she said, hey, I feel like I put in a lot of effort into this series, and... I feel like it's not mine and I would like to I would like us to make some steps to you know like how make this more of a joint feel like more of a joint project that we both are getting benefits and like having an investment in but instead she's just kind of been like well I'm out in the worst possible way and I think it I think it undercuts their tension honestly I don't think I agree all right um, I mean, I agree that I don't think she's handling it well. I think she's handling it well in an incredibly believable way. Um, I think like she like she's like, I want to go back to college. I want to finish my degree. She said she was film studies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally like as a person who also makes bad calls in my life, I totally get the feeling of just hitting a point of like you have something that's bothering you and you feel like it's not a big deal. And then you hit, it hits a moment and you realize you have to change something now or you're going to go insane. I totally understand that feeling. I could, I could easily imagine myself in this situation where I convinced myself that this was fine. And then suddenly I hit a point and I'm like, Oh no, I have to get out of here right fucking now. I can't do this. Um, I would like to think I would communicate a little better than she does. But as noted, she and Tara are both very emotionally immature. Um, but I think like the way she's like, actually, I have to, I have to stop doing this right now. I totally buy. That makes sense. Actually. I think I'm being overly harsh on it. Yeah. When you put it like that, it's definitely, it definitely adds a parallel to how Tara handles bad things going on as well. Like it seems like the two of them have a very dysfunctional relationship where one of them will just lose it for a while and the other has to either keep their distance or pick the right moment to come in and basically reassure them it's uh one of those situations where neither of them are do are dealing with their own bullshit very well yeah weirdly enough the relationship gets a lot better after madison dies (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, they finally have enough time to be like, both of them have enough time to think about what they want to say to the elder. And then Morgan is the one that more or less gets them like, okay, now <laughs> Maddie is alive somewhat and you're still alive. So the two of you need to short, sort your shit out right now while I go and bring Abigail into a different room because she doesn't need to see this. It ends up being like, Madison, it ends up being like Madison dying gets them away from each other in a way that is neither of their fault. So they both get to like reset. I think one thing that does work about their dynamic is that like they make bad decisions, but like neither of them, they make bad decisions, but I think both of them realize that they're making bad decisions 
you know like mm-hmm. madison knows that she snaps and and comes off har- harsher than she means to a lot of the time um but she just keeps making those mistakes um and i think i think there's definitely and i think there's also a scene where tara was like oh, i was i was such a shit like freezing her out of the of like this investigation like that i wish i had done something else and then she died but like the fact that they are like separated in the story i think it does make sense as kind of fixing their relationship because it makes both of them like cool their heads and then when they find out oh we actually can interact with each other you know it it builds the foundation for them to want to do better now that they've kind of seen Mm -hmm. like oh we're not going to be around forever yeah also, uh, Maddie got to be Fairy Queen for a bit, and that was sick. Her One thing I should say, the art in this game I really like. I like it until they're naked, and then I go, oh, these bitches are so fucking skinny. Sure, that's fair. How, are any, how have any of you survived out in the cold wearing the clothes you do with bodies that small? <laughs> well, they get into that multiple times with Tara. Like, she's just wearing, like, a suit jacket and a t-shirt, and everyone has to be like, Tara, you need to put something on. We're going into the fucking woods. Tara's dressed like a Facebook presenter. <laughs> Constantly doing the fa- the finger guns like a executive too. Or like a trans girl. Listen. I feel like... I feel like you can do this once, and they do do this once with Morgan as like character who's kind of underdressed for what they're going through. Um... But then they do it again with Tara, and then again with Abigail, and it, you end up with a thing where you have this cast all in this setting, and only one of them feels like they're even remotely dressed for this setting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's Maddie who didn't even want to be here. And even Madison, like, if if the other three were properly dressed for, for like, North Germany or wherever the fuck they are, like, Madison would be the underdressed one, because she's just wearing a coat. It's not like a mm-hmm. big coat or anything. She does have like a scarf too. Though. She does have a scarf. Scarfs do wonders. I'm just saying, there's so many blizzards in this game. Like, it's yeah. got to be so. Well, she freezes to death. Turns out. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Maddie's uh. the one who freezes to death because there's no justice in this world. <laughs> uh. Yeah this this game had a lot more fairy tale elements in it than I was expecting. Which just shows that I didn't really think about... Well, I didn't really read too much into it when I chose it because their store page mentions how it is their interpretation of the kind of fairy tale they wanted to see. But uh, there's, they meet a forest uh, spirit in the woods. They encounter fairies. Madison becomes fairy queen for a while. They're dealing with like an evil stepmother sort of situation with the woman pretending to be Morgan's mother. There's a talking cat who also happens to be a fairy. There's it's... a talking cat who has the most, like... The talking cat has the most, like, if you threw a voice actor in a booth and was like, okay, you're a cat, give me a cat voice, go! Meow. Meow. <laughs> I'm the cat. I'm a bit of an asshole. When I transform later in the book, in the visual novel, I will have a totally different personality. Well, here's the thing. I turned off the voices very quickly. 
I turned off the voices and then immediately ran into a new voiced character and, it, like, reset all the voice limits of uh, volume. And I was like, okay, fine, fuck it. I'll just keep the fucking voices in. And <laughs> and that turned out to be the last voiced character, so I could have just turned them back off and not have a, you know, and not bothered. But at that point, I didn't know. I think it was actually right before the cat started speaking. I think she was the voice that reset all the others. Interesting. Nothing reset for me. I I set it down to I I heard the like the the like they did the first scene and I was like I don't think this voice acting is very good and I turned it off. Yeah, that was that. I hate to say I I feel like a common problem with a lot of the I feel like the common problem with the voice actors is they kind of like they improv voice directions which I feel like are not reflected in the text and to me that's kind of like a. It's like a dissonant effect that I don't like in the voice acting. You know, when a line mm. is just written normal and the voice actor is kind of like putting all of their own emphases and pauses into the line, it feels we- it feels disconnected in a way that makes me not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I also, as we did, yeah. I also, as we discussed, had that thing with Morgan's voice where I felt like it didn't really reflect the character often. You know, she's often stated to be, like, an emotionless or hard-to-read character, and I just heard, like, a normal amount of emotion in her voice most of the time. Yeah, and the thing you mentioned where the actors would just give their own read on the lines without having much direction, I feel like that was kind of the most with Tara. Like, especially near the beginning, the first few scenes, there's just a couple of moments where she's just barreling through everyone else and overemphasizing everything i feel like i kind of it either got better as the game went on or i just got more used to it and tara kind of grew on me in tara's performance but uh yeah when i initially started out i was like wow she's just belting out every line with as much force as she can i think that's probably not so much on i feel like maybe that's half on the on the voice actor and half on the character as written I feel like mm-hmm. Tara's definitely the character who is too much most of the time and who does speak in a very like exaggerated and like has a has a kind of like YouTube presenter mode and that's hard. I feel like that is hard to act in a way that is convincing and also doesn't make you just hate the character. So I, I feel like she, I feel like she just had like a lot to she had a difficult kind of like briefing for this game. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, she had a hard job. Yeah, and as it went on, like I said, I I think that it started working a little bit better for me, but it it was a little rough uh, bump to get through, like in the first hour or so. Mm-hmm. I think so. one of the things that I hold against this game that I don't know if it's this game's fault, but I am coming to a point where I don't have a lot of patience for visual novels where there are basically no choices. I know how to read a book. I'll just read a book. I'm kind of the opposite way. I didn't like the choices in this game. <laughs> I didn't like the choices in this game either because they weren't really choices. I mean, like, there were two choices and they were just, do you want to be able to have the good ending or not? And then there's one choice that sort of matters because it gives you your ending. At that point, don't have any. I would have preferred if there were choices that did things, but there weren't, so don't have them. Mm-hmm. It did kind of take me by surprise that it took three chapters before the first the first choice appeared. Like, 
at, at a certain point when playing this, it was like, oh, okay, it's going to be a kinetic visual novel. It's just going to go through its thing. Like Umineko or... Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the other kinetic visual novel we covered for the show. But... Uh, Narcissu, that's it. Oh, yeah. 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 But then Which suddenly the first like. choice appeared and it's like... <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I'm going to be deciding things in this after all. All right. Yeah, I don't... I say this as somebody who's playing all of Echo. I don't mind if a visual novel has no choices. Um, but I do... I think I think I agree, Six, if this is part of what you're saying, that I think the choices in this game are not good. I would have... You would not have liked a version of this game that just went for no choices, but, but I would. I would have liked it more. Mm-hmm. I probably still... I, I don't know. Like, I, I still, at that point, like, there is a bit of, like... I feel like I would have at the, at that point I don't feel like it's leveraging any real strengths of the medium for me. Mm-hmm. Um and so I don't understand why it exists as a visual novel as much. Um Umineko does because of production, right? Where it's like it is more affordable to just keep putting up these text boxes forever than any other way you could do this. Um and and yeah i don't know and there is something to be to be gained from like the deliberate pacing and stuff of a visual novel i'm not trying to say like if your visual novel has no choices just write a book that's not fair um but interactivity is one of the things that makes a game a game and when you take it away it does make me ask well what are you doing with this then yeah i i guess i'm more on the side of um I, I can enjoy a visual novel just fine. It just feels like having only one or two choices makes me wonder why it's here instead of just having a one choice at the end and it's just like an ending A, B, or C thing or whatever. I think there is a... I think there's a different kind of interactive... I think there is a kind of interactivity that comes from... that comes from just progressing through a visual novel, even if you are not... Mm -hmm. even if you're not making choices. But I do... I do agree that the choices as presented in this game are not... not compelling, because there's one that is such an obvious, like... in all of them, there's just like, here's the thing you shouldn't do, and here's the thing you should do. And so you just do the thing you should do, and then you get the best ending. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's I, yeah. To me, that's not something I enjoy. Yeah, there's also the fact that if you, the very first choice, if you choose the wrong thing, like you run into a weird situation later where, basically, uh, Tara and Morgan are in Morgan's bedroom together, and that's the point where Tara's like, "Okay, are we girlfriends now?" And Morgan's like, "Yep, we're girlfriends." And then like several scenes later it's like tara is the one who's like okay are we so are we girlfriends now and morgan's like i don't know about that and it's like y'all just had this conversation several scenes ago what is that happens regardless Uh, no what happened what happened in my playthrough what happened in my playthrough was that first conversation ended with them being with morgan saying that she was okay with them saying like they love each other 
but she didn't want to put a she didn't want to put a formal label on their relationship. And then the second conversation is Tara being like, "Okay, I understand what you said, but Abigail looks at us and she just says that we're girlfriends, and she said that several times, and I would like I would like that." And then they kind of talk through Morgan's hesitancy with saying like, "Okay, we are girlfriends." Yeah, and if you make the wrong choice earlier, those scenes are reversed, which is the most confusing thing ever. Like Morgan's like Morgan is the one who puts in it in terms of girlfriends and then like the next scene it's a situation where it's not even them walking it back, it's them talking as if they haven't had this conversation earlier. Is that where the cool girlfriend screenshot that you posted came from? That first scene? Yep, that's because I was looking for yeah, that one. It, it doesn't <laughs> I was like, I, it, nobody said, Tara doesn't say that. Yeah, you only get that if you go up to Tara when she's breaking down and you're like, snap out of it, we're gonna go fight my mother. Those are the words a girl never wants to hear. <laughs> Though at some point Tara herself is like, yeah, let's go beat the shit out of your mom. I think Tara says that many, many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of declarative statements about how they're going to beat the shit out of Evelyn. And then it makes the fact that they don't really do that much weirder. Yeah, Evelyn is kind of a nothing character. Mm-hmm. Evelyn is just a bad thing that exists. And she doesn't really like near the end. It's like, oh, actually, I've decided I want to see the world. But she isn't really given a personality. She's just bad things. She's like an abusive mom. And but without a motive for anything like she has a reason to want to keep Morgan around and like control things to an extent. But the degree to which she does evil shit is just, you know, like evil and controlling in a way that like, sure, there are people like that and you could have set her up to be a person like that. But they don't. She just does these things. I think. it's mm-hmm. I, Yeah, I think her. I think there's character there's more characterization that is implied with her than is explicitly stated. You know, she has her line about how humans have humans have freedom that they don't do anything with. And so I think you can go back from her expressing that sentiment to her time as a fairy and the way that fairy individualism is, is said by Madison to be kind of like incomplete and kind of like partialized as part of this big this bigger hive mind of fairies um but it is very it it's it's never made explicit and it is a very like underexplored part of the visual novel because if you were to bring it out then you would get into a bunch of honestly i think you get into a bunch of boring stuff about like is a hive mind good yeah it's something they danced around a few times because like when they first encountered the fairies, the fairies tell Madison, "Hey, we can give you, we can show you what it's like for a little bit." And Madison is just gets stuck in this ethereal, timeless section where she's seeing events that came before and after, and kind of loses track of who she is and who the fairies are, and even focusing on a specific moment quickly fades away. Like, it's impossible to get into, hone in on something specific. But then she becomes the fairy queen, and suddenly she seems like she has, she's fully cognizant of everything happening around her without being lost in the same way. Mm -hmm. 
And, and, and neither is the other fairy queen seem to be, like, affected in that same way, you know? Yeah, and it's so weird because, like, the initial way that they play that scene is really spooky. Like, the way that Abigail is seeing what the fairies are doing and she is very scared for Madison. Like, almost in the sense that, oh, if she actually accepts this, Madison is just going to be trapped in her own head, bouncing around these various places and just not being the same person. But that never comes to pass. I feel like it's something that they initially hint at before dropping entirely yeah i thought it was going to be a i thought it was going to be a choice like whether she was even going to accept this like taste of what it would be like to be the fairy queen and then it would lead to a bad end because it seemed like being the fairy queen was like such a such a like personhood altering thing that she'd like shouldn't do this unless there's no you know it's like a last resort or a really foolish decision that she makes um then it's fine like, yeah, the fairies are really pushy and really creepy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the way that, like, you know, there's, like, there's that real vibe of, like, Madison's like, uh, no, thank you, I don't want this, and they just keep pushing her to accept it. It feels really weird, and then it's fine, I guess. It's just kind of you zone out for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it. It was definitely that they have original scene i think as as jen put it i do think it was really like interesting and brought up some cool stuff that they just decide to never engage with again Mm. that's a bummer being the fairy queen seems like it kicks ass you get to teleport (laughs) you have a cool dress it's not even like a pain to take off really for when you need to have sex with your girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly it's such a random detail that like she'll she can just take off the dress as though she's taking off her old coat and then it transforms into the coat it's like that's that's how glamours do baby yeah but i i expected it was different from what i expected i thought she would just be like i'm the fairy queen i can just decide whether i have clothes or not but then there's all these mechanics abigail like looks at her coat and was like oh i guess the fairies also enchanted your coat so that when you're wearing it it's the fairy queen dress but you know when it's not it's just your normal coat and i'm like oh this is really specific i thought we were in the sex scene and if i was abigail at that point i've been like i'm disappointed they didn't do anything with your underwear (laughs) (sighs) oh god I just realized it says that she takes off the coat, but there's no mention of any of her other clothes. <laughs> and now I'm bothered by that, too. Well, I mean, they, she, when she takes off the coat, she is in her, her bra and underwear, and she has to take those off separately. Okay, phew. And they're just normal. Yeah. Damn, if I was the fairy queen, I would want magic underwear and not, exactly. not normal underwear. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, you you think the fairies would throw that in there as a bonus to seal the deal, but no. You gotta get you gotta get each individual piece of your clo- normal clothing glamoured. That's just such a pain. Well, that's that they're the, like, listen, this is just a trial run. When you're the real fairy queen, she be- man, that bra's gonna be sick. She became the real fairy queen. Well, she became a temporary fairy queen. She was a she was a. They knew, like, if she decided to let it keep, she would have gotten, like, flower tassels on the nipples and everything. <laughs> she was, she was a probationary fairy queen. She was gonna get the, she was gonna get all the benefits after 90 days. Right, that was one of the 90 review. day benefits. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> After 90 days, she gets daisies on her on her tits, and it's great. <laughs> <sighs> I did think it was really funny that as soon as Abigail becomes human, she starts wearing Maddie's clothes and specifically goes for the biggest beanie she can find. And it gets into... <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't it's really called. like her original design and then when she gets human clothes, it's like, oh that's so cute. She's so comfy looking. <laughs> yeah. Did you just call a purple dress not human clothes? No. Hmm. I guess I did. It's a two It was it's okay. a two hundred year old nighty. It was Yeah, people they were still people two hundred years ago. <laughs> Have you ever met someone who's 200 years old who can yes. say they're ghost clothes now? <laughs> they died with her. They're ghost clothes. Mm. <laughs> now she's going comfy mode. I I love the bit where like Abigail expresses interest in computers and Tara is going to Tara's just the goblin who's like, oh, I'm going to introduce you to everything. And Madison is just in the back of my head, oh, we got to stop this at some point so Abigail isn't talking about dank memes or whatever in three months or whatever. I do like the part where Madison is originally explaining computers to Abigail. And Abigail's just, like, offended by the concept of the internet. Uh, Madison's like you know all computers in the world are connected you know it's kind of like your thing with the forest and Abigail's like it is not it's completely different well I think the thing initially is that Abigail thinks that it is and that's the thing that upsets her like oh everyone is connected like that around the world that's bad and then Madison has to be like no 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 just the computer part people aren't connected just the computers people talk through the computers Mm -hmm. And Abigail's like, oh, okay, that's a bit better. It's also cute when Abigail is like, wow, this computer stuff looks so complicated. Madison, you've got to be like some kind of computer pro. <laughs> She's like, surely, surely only a few humans can, oper- can operate a machine this complicated. And Madison's like, yeah, some people have multiple computers. And Abigail's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> The, an average computer screen has more pixels than an 18th century lesbian would see in her entire life. <laughs> in a few months, you're going to have, Ab- like, Maddie's going to knock on Abigail's door, and Abigail's just going to say, AFK blanky mode. Uh, Abigail with a mountain dude, the like, have you tried this shit? <laughs> Can I open the door and it's just the bedroom from Serial Experiments Lane? <laughs> you say there is a king of burgers? Uh, <laughs> turning her into Saber. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It kind of is. Saber is kind of like the whole trope of someone from a different time coming to modern era and being like. She is oh, exactly yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That is her. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, these metal birds, they fly, huh? That's impossible, but okay. Uh, I like how how Abigail's constantly like, how does that work? And Madison's like, well, I don't really know, but we're just going to sidestep that. (laughs) Like, Madison doesn't really know how a plane works. Yeah, Abigail's like, "I've I've been here alone for 200 years. You're going to tell me everything about the new world. And initially Madison takes it in stride. But over time, it's like, eh, this is, I'm 
probably not going to do a great job explaining it, and maybe she'll be disappointed in me, but we'll we'll see. You should just say explosions for everything. It'll be often true, and it will always appease her. Oh, how do airplanes work? Explosions. I feel like you would have explosions. to explain the concept of an explosion to her first. They had explosions back then. How many explosions did an 18th century lesbian see in her life? <laughs> On average. Maybe not very many, but like cannons existed and stuff, and she knew about them. Did she? I think that's debatable. Sure, everybody knows about cannons. Can- Listen, everybody knows about cannons. I feel like some people definitely didn't know about cannons. See, that's canon, right there. Oh man, title is crap. Here's a here's the thing I wanted to say about the sex scenes. Uh huh. So I feel like. I feel like culturally we have a weird we have a weird thing about sex. This is a okay with you so this far. This is the hottest yes. take in the world, I know. But like, <laughs> I feel like it interacts with this game weirdly, where they're like they have to because they want to write a narrative with an explicit sex scene, they have to like silo it off into this adult patch and also make this the scenes like so like very explicit in order to justify like this is the these are the adult content parts of the game when i feel like simultaneously you have just like i mean maybe this was different for you jen because you didn't play the adult patch but like in the in the base game it seemed like morgan and tara were just having sex oh yeah like there's a there's still bits in the game where there's a scene where Tara and Morgan are, like, waking up after being in bed together, and it's like, oh, hey, Morgan keeps going, hey, Tara, that's my underwear. Hey, Tara, that's my shirt. Hey, Tara, that's... We we clearly swapped underwear while we were having sex and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where um, you're constantly being brought to points after a sex scene has happened, but it's clear that there's something in there. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, I think if you personally, my position is like, if you're writing a narrative and you want to put sex in there, like, just put it, like, just put it in there. Um, I don't think the, I don't think the idea that these characters would be like having sex in the situations that they're in is like unreasonable, given the, like, everything else about the story. But I feel like the fact that, like, there is an 18 patch version of this game and a non 18 patch version of this game does make some weird, like forces them to make some weird structural decisions about sex. I mean, I think you can paint this pretty firmly on the fact that this game is on steam and switch. Yeah. That's what I mean. So they don't really have a choice. That's what I mean. It's like, there are, there are like factors outside the game that influence how like sex can be used in the game and makes it come off weird. I wish I wish it was yeah. a little different. Yeah, and we could just like yeah. This is, I didn't need to know that much about Abigail and Madison's sex life, but it's like fine to me that they have sex. Sure, Abigail's been alone in the woods for two hundred years. Like, I get. It. And she explains that she has she got bored of masturbating. She does. She does say that. I was surprised that she could as a ghost, but you know you learn a bit every day. I mean, you can still interact with yourself. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, one of the things they mention when um when one 
at some point in the story, basically, Evelyn gets uh, Morgan to accidentally hurt the forest's life force to an extreme degree. And one of the first things they mention when Madison starts flitting in and out is that she's not able to, like, touch her own arm or anything like that. So mm. previously, when Madison and Abigail were ghosts, they could totally touch each other mm-hmm. and themselves. I'm thinking about how both times in this game that um, Madison and, or at least one time in this game where Madison and Morgan had sex, you had two different like hive mind connections going on there. This is just something I'm thinking about because Abigail was connected to the whole forest and Madison was connected to all the fairies. So like, does that make it an orgy? It certainly makes it. It certainly means the sex should be weirder than what actually happened in these scenes. <laughs> God, if you if you told me that it, it somehow worked in their two hive mind connections during the sex scenes, that would have been enough for me to be like, okay, yeah, I, I'm going to play through this game one more time with the nude patch on just to see what happens. <laughs> it doesn't come up at all, and I didn't even think about it in the game, but now just as we're, uh, we're like talking through it here, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, huh. I think that should I I I am now thinking about it and I can't stop thinking about that. <laughs> do you want the, do you want the fairies like in a later scene to be like you two should have sex again? That was nice. <laughs> oh, that would I mean great. the fairies would. The fairies as established would extremely just be like, "Hey, nice job." The fairies would come back and be like, "Hey, you scored." And they'll high five her. <laughs> One thing I am also curious about um for y'all since you played the one with the patch is Mm -hmm. like on the morning before they're about to leave they show madison abigail in bed and you could see like the you could see something that looks like nude sprites except it's covered over like a weird white bar that is translucent in a way where it kind of fades in and out Uh, in a way that made it look like it it looked like it, it was like it took me so long to figure out until that they were actually in bed together because it looked like wait are they in some sort of group shower together what's going on but no that was just supposed to be like oh here's the bed sheets uh, yeah in i th- i believe in the 18 version it's just the nude sprites like just on top of each other in a non-sexual way just in the way they do when they want to communicate, like, oh, like, um, Abigail is, like, snuggling into Madison. Yeah, listen. It's cold. If you're not going to have sex, keep your clothes on when you sleep. This is what I was thinking, too. <laughs> I guess they didn't want to draw... They had two things. They had clothes on and they had clothes off. And they're not drawing a sleepwear set of sprites. wait do you think the queen has specific sleepwear do they enchant her sleepwear no apparently they only gave her one magic dress you're just saying this you don't know that she never tried on anything else they said specifically that the coat we're getting into the weeds again but they said specifically that the coat she was wearing when she became the fairy queen was enchanted i believe that follows that you have to specifically enchant clothes to make them fairy queen 
So, but she, that is her make. That is the fairies didn't say that. She said that she is drawing conclusions, and she could have drawn the wrong conclusions. Well, they do mention like once she becomes fairy queen, she just inherit. She inherits all of the fairy knowledge, like all of the things that they know. She suddenly knows, which is how she's able to teleport and shit. They did say that. Ha ha! I win. But she still seems surprised by the jacket. Well, yeah. If she just knew it, she wouldn't be surprised. Six, you telling me you've never known something and then forgotten you knew it until it came up and go, oh, right, I know that. Whoops. No. All right, well, fuck you then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, What, am I on on a podcast with some disasters who can't (laughs) perfectly remember everything at all times? All right, brain, all right, brain worker. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will just lie to win arguments. <laughs> Look at me. I've got perfect recall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never put my keys down and then forgot where I put my keys. I haven't been able to find my keys for a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? Shut up, Jen. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Do you think do you think the other night when we played Jackbox and it was like you can ask the one question and I wrote where the fuck are my fucking keys did you think that was a bit? Kind of. It was not a bit. Where are my keys? Oh, man. One time I left the keys in the keyhole of the front door and that was one of the scariest moments of my life. Oof. Yeah, that's for like that's a not night. Fun. Like, I left them overnight. Oh, okay. I guess one other thing I want to bring up with this specific forest setting is... I thought the forest spirit looked really cool. Like, you initially get it shown as this gigantic, hulking, creepy thing that is stalking through the woods. And more or less makes Tara and Madison finally fully believe in all of this stuff but also like when even when you're seeing it up close and it's more of a normal stature though still very tall like it takes you a moment to figure out that it has multiple eyes and where it might actually be looking and all that and it manages to be both unnerving but uh very comforting design it's fascinating to me how you can just it felt very old fantasy in that way like there's some unsettling elements of it but it's also something that you would trust with your life more or less dark souls looking motherfucker <laughs> yeah it did kind of look like a dark souls creature of some kind oh you're going to the heart of the woods <laughs> hello there little girl collecting girlfriend are you well there's boss in these woods <laughs> I felt very sad for the forest spirit by the end. That that guy went through so yeah. much. He got planted. He's fine. Yeah, but he went through he a lot out. before that happened. I think. Yeah, yeah and it didn't true. seem like it was like getting planted was super happy fate for him either. That was death. <laughs> that was. That's what's wrong with that. That sounds great. I I just keep thinking about like how in Abigail's like Abigail's story when she explains what's going on that like it's implicit in that story that Evelyn was like 
doing her shit out in the open, but telling everyone that, like, it was actually the forest spirit who was, like, the evil one. That sucks. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah. That guy didn't do anything. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised we didn't get a scene with, like, the enchanted townsfolk, like, going into the forest to fight off the forest spirit or something, because I felt like that was totally coming, and then it didn't. Yeah, the no, the I... fact with the townsfolk being glamoured is basically just, like, it, it's kind of on the same level as, like, oh, we don't get any cell reception out here. It's just kind of, like, yeah, a reason yeah. why they can't go for help. Mm-hmm. For sure. Though they also use it to kind of illustrate how Morgan got to be the way she is just because the glamour also turned everyone against her, except for like the occasional the occasional girl who comes up and is like, hey, I've never been with a girl before. You want to try it? And yeah, that's a whole thing she gets into as well, just in terms of how being seen as the town lesbian means people can be real shitty to you. Again, I'm so surprised that, like, Tara hears that whole story and then says nothing about, like, how, how like, how people have maybe been weird to her about sex. Like, it's just so obvious to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an easy layup that they completely ignore. Well, it's an easy layup if you have someone I like I don't I don't know the team and I'm not trying to cast aspersions. I'm just saying if they don't have anyone trans on the team and they didn't do an, any consulting, which they should have, I could see being like I don't know how to write this. I will say that they do have trans people on the team and also um the Tara is played by a trans woman, so That's true. I did know that part. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, choice is made. I think it's like like, again, it's not kind of like, this isn't a universal recommendation for, like, if you're putting a trans character in your narrative. Like, they don't have to talk about all these things explicitly, but it feels like the narrative has such an in for for her, for Tara to talk about these things at certain points. And the fact that she doesn't sticks out to me is, like, just odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a tricky... It's a tricky path to go because... It, you do occasionally also get games where the ca- the trans character is marked as just being like, "Hi, I'm the trans character. I'm going to tell you everything about my." Would you like to know my dead name? Yeah, <laughs> Mass Effect and drama, the bullshit. But yeah, it, it's it's nothing like that on that level or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where you you think about it and go, "Huh, kind of wish they grew a little cl- closer from this specific angle right here." Mm-hmm. I do know, like, three girls who are exactly like Tara, though, so they got that, at least. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's an accurate portrayal of a certain kind of person that exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in, just in the general vibe. Yeah, there's definitely a line where it's like, oh yeah, Tara just keeps all her clothes on the floor, and I just looked over in my bedroom where there's a bunch of dirty clothes on the floor, it's like, huh, yeah. Can't stand. I know how that is. Can't stand that shit. I'm not saying my floor is clean all the time. I'm saying that if it's on the floor for like more than one sleep, I'm picking it up in the morning. 
Yeah, it's definitely something I need to get better at. Just can't stand it. Ugh. Yeah, trying to think of... Is there anything else we wanted to touch on? I just want to say, I'm always, as far as like things I like, I'm always a sucker for like the found family stuff. There's that bit of like... Um, there's that scene with... Um, Abigail and Morgan, where they talk about how they're related because Abigail is Abigail is dead due to something that like went quote unquote wrong with Evelyn stealing her body back in the day. So they are like a related they're related by blood. And so they kind of like talk about being family. And then there's a, like a line at the end of that scene where it's a where Morgan's narration says like, oh, like finished up that conversation. And then we went out to join the rest of our family. And I was, you know, I'm a sucker for that. So I was reading that. And I'm like, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> the four of you are a family now. And then in the, then in the good end, there's that cute scene of like, you know, um, <clears throat> there's a cute scene that is takes some time to be like, here's how Tara and Abigail get along. They're actually surprisingly similar. And there's, like, a dynamic where it's often Abigail and Tara, like, running out and doing something new with a lot of energy while Morgan and Madison just kind of, like, sit back and they're like, ah, our girlfriends, they're a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you just meet three other girls and decide, okay, we're gonna move in together. And that's fine. That's great. (laughs) I have no idea what that's like. Yeah. I kind of wish I did. <laughs> but up up. Uh, so emails. <laughs> uh, we didn't get. Yeah. Any. Oh, okay. If you want to email us, uh, send it to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail dot com. You could email about basically anything. I mean, you know, listen, don't, don't, you know, I don't. Don't try and sell us anything, I guess. But, uh, you know, you want to email us about games we played, or games we're about to play, concepts, words, food, you know, hit us up. Yeah, we always appreciate emails because we're a podcast that accepts emails. Ask me about ghosts. If you have any ghost questions, I can answer them. I know all about don't those. ask don't ask Olivia. Olivia didn't even know that they were ghosts in this game. I'm an expert on ghosts now. Ask me about <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get some ghost questions in. We'll see what we can do with them. Anyway, uh six, I believe you were the one who pushed for the next game we'll be covering. Pushed is really a choice of words. I said, you two should pick, and no one said anything for hours. And so I said, okay, I guess you could do this if you wanted. <laughs> well, you're the one who nominated it. That's, that's I'm way pretty sure it. I was at work. I'm scrolling back to see if I was at work. Oh, it doesn't tell you exact timestamps. Nope. Nope, you can't escape that. On, hold on. Also, on the, fourth, it, the question had been asked days before. It was on the fourth Thursday. I was at work. You you can't you can't ask me for anything if I was at work that day. Olivia, we first had the conversation about what we should play play next on the twenty eighth. Yeah, I can. Uh, was I at work on the twenty eighth? <laughs> and for <laughs> yes, every I was. minute, that was every... Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> days, it was days. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we we kind of just thought of well well. This is this shouldn't be on air anyway. <laughs> yeah, it gonna... should. You fuckers should be called out. 
I, okay, I, I want to play this game, though, so I'm totally down to play this game, is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, we are yeah. going to be playing Get in the Car Loser from Long of Conquers All Games, which is, of course, uh, Christine Love's studio. Uh, this is a uh, basically a JRPG style. Uh, obviously, it's not, it's not J, so it's just an RPG, but JRPG style uh, lesbian road trip RPG. Yep, and you can get it for free on Steam, because uh, the way that Christine released this is uh, it's a free main game, and then if you want, you can pay ten bucks for a uh, extra beach episode. Yeah, extra beach episode with new costumes and stuff and new fights. Buy the DLC. Don't be a buster. Buy the DLC. <laughs> yeah, you're getting the game for free. You should. Pitch something in. Is ten is I rebought Dark Souls two forty bucks recently, so I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the if I don't buy the DLC, I've made a moral error. Uh, Indeed. So we'll be back uh, with that one next episode. Yeah, uh, and until then, um, where can people find you, Olivia? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Great Grebe. Uh, I always say you can find me on the internet at there. You can find me on Twitter at there. And then I have a pinned tweet, which are links to my other podcasts. Uh, Do Not Steal is a tabletop criticism and OC creation podcast uh, where we've just done a superhero episode with the RPG masks. That was a lot of fun. Um, Please come listen to me and Hannah talk about our daughters who uh, end the world and spit lightning. It's a fun time. Hell yeah. <laughs> How about you, Six? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Six Detmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. You can find my work at ScanlineMedia.com or Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia. And I would say specifically you should check out uh, the latest episode of Common Ground, which will out- be out by the time this is, uh, with Olivia. And also, you know, Crass and Kyria. That's a raucous episode. I'd, I have to yell at you all to sh- quiet down so I can finish the intro. Yes, there is an energy. <laughs> oh, wow. We just we just get on that podcast and start yelling. God, I'm going to have to listen to that. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at JBU3. Uh, most of my stuff is where you can find six at uh, scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. Uh, six and I are also making more of an effort to do more frequent uh, Twitch streams, so if you want to check us out there, it's at uh, twitch.tv slash scanlinemedia. And uh, until next time, folks, uh, thanks for joining us. Quick day! Read on.